Hello and welcome to another episode of Football Talk Podcast. My name is Ozzy and I'm your host for today's show. Now, another match week in the Premier League. Unfortunately, VAR is in the headlines again and not for the right reasons, obviously. But we'll get into that during the show. So let's begin reviewing the game of the week. I think most of us would regard is Manchester United versus Arsenal. So Manchester United have beaten... The August champions, Arsenal, sorry, <laughs> if you're an Arsenal fan, because that is what's been said in social media right now. Um, and unfortunately, that did end their winning streak uh, in the Premier League. But despite the scoreline, I have to be honest, I think it wasn't a one-sided affair. If you look at the scoreline, 3-1, you're thinking, Man I must have been dominant if you hadn't watched the game. But I would say Arsenal were, for most part of the game, the better team. Uh, they had more possession, they played the better football and they had plenty of chances. Arsenal did in fact think that they had broken the deadlock in the first half with a lovely Martinelli goal but unfortunately it was ruled out for, by VAR um, after Odegaard had fouled Ericsson in the lead up to the goal. So then it's a foul if you look at the letter of the law as there's no contact on the ball from Odegaard, but there's no other way of looking at it. It's a soft one. In normal play, I don't think the ref would have stopped that um, that tackle or that foul in that instance. But because it led to a goal and it had to be reviewed by VAR, it was pretty much analysed through a magnifying glass and obviously they had to look at specific details to make sure that it's the right decision. For me, it was a bit of a lucky one for Arsenal, who at that stage, I don't believe, deserved to concede a goal, but that's football, isn't it? Uh, but one from one Brazilian winger to another, it was the debutant, Anthony, who opened the scoreline. Ericsson, for me, was probably man of the match. Starts the move with a lovely pass to Bruno, who shifts it to Sancho on the left-hand side. Um, and he pretty much squares it, puts it on a plate for Anthony. And a simple left-footed finish in the bottom corner, 1-0 to Manchester United. So, in regards to Anthony's performance in the game, I think he did well. He showed glimpses of his talent, did a bit of showboating here and there, which was a bit useless um, in terms of how effective it was when he was on the ball. But... He's still raw. Um, he's got a lot of potential, don't get me wrong. But it's nothing new for a young player coming from a new league. Uh, it will take time for him to get used to the pace of the Premier League, but also understanding the patterns of play with his new teammates. So, you know, a good signing, obviously an expensive one. Um, it remains to be seen if he fits the bill and is worthy of that price tag. But long season ahead. So we will probably discuss that more as the season goes on. But Arsenal, uh, they were able to equalise through Saka. Uh, Jesus threw on goal from Odegaard pass, gets tackled by Dallow, I believe it was. And the loose ball presents itself to Saka. He finishes it with ease. I think he kicks it through Martinez's legs. So good equaliser then. So you're thinking at that point, Arsenal should be able to hit that second gear and try and get another goal. It wasn't to be, unfortunately. Um, the second goal came from United 
as much as I dislike this player, um, you have to give credit when it's due. Bruno Fernandes produces a sublime through ball the outside of his foot to Rashford. He goes through on goal, one-on-one, and finishes clinically as well. So, great goal from, um, from Manchester United there. At that stage, you're thinking, what, what should Arteta do from the bench? He puts on three subs with 20 minutes remaining. In hindsight, you're thinking that's a good move, but I feel like at that stage, it was quite neck and neck. So I think it was a bit naive for him to just throw a number of players. I feel like it kind of disrupted the momentum as I feel like Arsenal were gearing up to challenge and maybe create a few chances. But when you put on three players at the same time, it does disrupt the flow of the game a little bit. So, yeah, I think that was a bit more of a... It wasn't a calculated decision from Arteta, in my opinion, so it showed a bit of naivety with regards to that. And then Rashford was able to get a second goal, pretty much a simple tap-in provided by Eriksen, who I mentioned earlier. Fantastic game. For a lot of people, he was a gamble signing due to his health, obviously, but for me, it seems to be paying off. Um, He still has that same quality that he's shown in and playing in a deeper role and is still able to be very effective on the ball. So, so far, so good for uh, the Danish midfielder for Manchester United. But overall, a good win for Manchester United. They're not playing their best or they're not playing pretty football, but they're grinding out results right now, which is the key thing at this stage of the season. Four wins in a row, but United fans, let's just hold the brakes a little bit. Too soon to be making any noise about top four or challenging for the title. Just calm down. It's just six six games into the season. Long way to go. So I know you're excited. You know, a lot of wins on the bounce. But yeah, it's a long, long season ahead. So I'm not taking shade because I'm a Liverpool fan. We're not doing really well. You just got to stay grounded at this stage of the season. It's only September. So it is what it is. Just got a couple of comments here from Solo. TMUA, big up. Thank you, Solo, for joining the show. Kings Football Show, big up, Ozzy. Thank you for joining the show as well. Next game, not that I want to talk about any further, is um, the Merseyside Derby. So, oh, where do I begin with this one? I had a lot to say in my match reaction, so I'll try and give you like the shorter version of what I was going through after the game. Um, another poor performance from Liverpool. Again, very, very slow to begin, which is very unlike a Klopp team. As we normally press from the first minute, it hasn't been the case this season in any of our games. We've been conceding the first goal as well. Just very unlike Liverpool right now. But in the game, Davis was the closest one to scoring in the first half. Um, he was, I think he was like six yards away from the, from the, from the goal. Hit the, the outside of a swap, maybe should have hit with his left foot or used a different technique on, on goal. Uh, it goes wide, should have done better, in my opinion. Lupo also very close to taking the lead before half time with a double chance. You had Nunes, who for me had a poor game, didn't really do much in, in all honesty. Had a great shot from the right hand side, which was tipped over the bar by Pickford, and then you had Diaz doing his dribble from the left-hand side, unleashed a shot with pure venom, but it hit the inside of the post and then goes out of play. So that was the closest that Liverpool were at that stage. 
Uh, we had a few chances here and there, but nothing to really scream about at that time. Unfortunately for Carvalho, um, he was injured in the first half, which was a shame as when the lineup came up, I was surprised but excited at the same time because it was a very attack-minded formation in terms of having Elliot and Carvalho as your two number eights. Then you've got Diaz, then you've got Nunes, then you've got Salah. So I'm thinking Klopp's really going for it. But at the same time, I'm thinking he hasn't got much choice. He hasn't got any bodies. He hasn't got really any midfielders available. Uh, you've got Milner, obviously, but don't want to be starting him every game uh, as he's been playing consecutively this season, which is more than I think he would have expected. So, yeah, I've been saying in previous episodes, I think it's too soon to put Cavallo in that centre midfield position or for him to start games on a regular basis. He still needs to get used to how we play. I think he needs to toughen up a little bit in terms of getting used to the physicality of the Premier League. But that will take time. He's a young boy. So hopefully his injury is not a lengthy one. I believe he's a dead leg. He's definitely not available for tomorrow's game against Napoli. So I think it will be hit and miss in terms of the next fixture, which is Wolves on the weekend. So maybe expect to see him in the following week. So yeah, hopefully he makes a quick recovery as we're struggling with injuries right now. Um, yeah, sounds like... Every local fan's excuse that oh, we're not doing a couple of injuries, but it is definitely a factor right now. But back to the game, second half. Um, Firmino comes on, and for me, he was a positive uh, substitution, had an instant impact with his great movement around the box, neat passes, linking up play from midfield to attack. So it was definitely what we needed. And the switch from the 4 2 3 1 formation definitely helped. It's a formation I feel like we should be deploying going forward as we don't have the bodies right now. So let's see how Klopp sets up tomorrow. But that is what I would like Liverpool to do going forward. But we shall see. In regards to the second half, uh, Klopp makes a bad substitution. In my opinion, we'll say it how it is. I love Klopp. But, you know, sometimes you've got to just be blunt and say how you feel. He takes off Simicast, who for me was having a good game. And he also takes off Trent, who was, yeah, he wasn't great, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, and they brought on Robertson, which is fine, like for like. But then he brought on James Milner to play right back. So massive error on his part to play Milner at right back. Demari Gray and Anthony Gordon left him for dust on numerous occasions on that right hand, our right-hand side. Um and I think Klopp realised that afterwards, as he had to make another another substitution 10 minutes later to kind of justify that or error, I should say, with putting Milner there because we were far too open on that. On our right-hand side, they were exploiting us on a regular basis. I think there were two or three chances that I remember where Demario Gray outpaced Milner, Gordon outpaced Milner, on the counter-attack, and they were very close to scoring. I believe one of the chances where Morpé should have scored, uh, but Alisson was big and strong to block the shot, and I think it happened later on in the game as well. So, yeah, misjudgment from Klopp there or the coaching team, whoever, <laughs> whoever pitched that idea to Klopp. Uh, it wasn't a good one, but it is what it is. Um, you should have originally have put Matip on and... Uh, put Gomez on the right-hand side. That would have just 
gave given us a great balance. I think this was in around the hour mark as well. So we'd have had half an hour to have a solid formation and then actually go forward. But in the end, the next 10, 20 minutes, we were trying to readjust in terms of our errors from, from before. So, so yeah, another bad day at the office for Klopp. Connor Cody thought he had scored the winning goal from a set piece, but it was ruled offside. Shameful celebration for a so-called former red. Um, certainly showed his true colours there, but, you know, I think the local fans had the last laugh um, as he had to walk away with his head down thinking, yeah, I should, maybe I shouldn't have done that, but it is what it is. But overall, I think Liverpool had a lot of chances to take the lead, particularly for me. I think he had some good chances, but he just didn't have that killer edge in front of goal. Salah, who had a very quiet afternoon, almost scored the winner in the last minute, but hits the post, which in the end was a goalless draw. Man of the match was Pickford, which shows you how Liverpool were. We had a lot of chances on, on goal and he was just, yeah, he was great on the day. So, but I have to be honest, overall, I think it is a fair result. Everton was set up ultra defensive, which is, you know, no shame in, in saying that it is what it is. And they played on the counter and that was the setup that worked for them. Liverpool, unfortunately, with the injuries taking its toll right now, players have been overworked. Uh, I believe Trent has been struggling with fitness, but he's forced to play because we've got no other cover um, and players aren't able to be rotated. So it'll be interesting to see how Klopp sets up his team in the next fixture, which is tomorrow night in the Champions League against Napoli, because I, for one, would want some players rested uh, as I feel like some need it right now. But who knows? We'll, we can talk about that after the show as I'll be doing a match preview uh, at 11.15. So stay tuned for that. But back to the Premier League, the next game, Chelsea versus West Ham. So another VAR incident that ruined the game. So let's get into it. The incident itself, it involved Bowen going through on goal, Mendy slides through to make the save. Bone leaps over Mendy and hardly touches him. Mendy faked an injury or started rolling around, however you want to phrase it. So that led to the referee or VAR looking into the incident. And it was regarded as a foul by VAR, which I have to say was a poor decision. Now, a lot of people have been saying that we should get rid of VAR altogether. For me, it's not VAR that's the problem. It's the people running, or should I say misusing VAR that are the problem right now. The quality of officials has also reduced. Maybe that's because referees are over-reliant on VAR, so they know that if they make a mistake, they can always look into the screen or you know, look forward to a guy speaking in their earpiece to say, that, oh, you can change your decision or this is what's happened. So maybe the focus isn't there from referees. Who knows? But Whoever are the people that are in those offices making those decisions aren't making the correct ones right now. There's a shout that ex-pros should be part of the process or be involved in the VAR decision-making. I don't think it's a bad shout, to be fair. I don't know if an ex-pro would want to take that role as it's not something an ex-pro would want to get into in terms of being a referee because you are still labelled as that, isn't it? But something needs to change. Uh, because right now, 
the level refereeing is very, very poor on and off the pitch. Um, and we're regarded as the best league in the world. So right now we're not showing it and it's an embarrassment to say the least. So, so yeah, um, not, a, not a good week for the officials to say the least. But back to the game in terms of the key moments. West Ham took the lead with Antonio scoring the close from close range. Sorry, another mistake from Mendy, who's looked really shaky this season. Made an error last week as well. Not having the best of season so far. Chua had a great day, nevertheless. Uh, scores a clever goal around the goalkeeper, and then also provides the assist for Havertz. So. For me, Chelsea were lucky to get the three points. I think a draw would have been a fair result, but luck was on their side for this fixture. Just got a comment here from Madison Smith. Haaland is definitely playing at the highest level, but are we at a point to call him the best player in the world? I would think it's a bit premature to say that. Just because he's had a great start doesn't mean he'll end the season in the same manner, but I think he's already regarded as one of the best strikers in the in in the world right now. There's there's no way to to look at it. So I, I wouldn't say he's he's the best, but he's one of the best by a country mark. So it's a scary thought, to be fair. He's he's already scored ten goals, um, and we've just touched September. So yeah, not looking good for other Premier League teams so far. Uh, next game, ironically, is actually Man City versus uh, Aston Villa versus Man City. So, Man City opened a scoreline with Haaland, who we've just mentioned from Madison's comment there, um, scoring a tap in, lovely cross by Kevin De Bruyne. Uh, that is going to be seen on a regular basis. Kevin De Bruyne to Haaland, it's just a double combo at the minute, unbeatable right now. But it's getting ridiculous. Ten goals already this season. What is it, 6th of September? <laughs> I made an audacious prediction as well that Darwin Nunes will score more goals than Haaland this season. So I'm looking real silly right now. I've got, I got, you know, look at what pie on my face right now. So yeah, that's not that's not a good prediction that I did there. But anyways, back to the game. Um, Leon Bailey gets the crucial equaliser with a fantastic left foot shot, smashing the back of the net. Really good goal from him. But, and a big but, it should have been three points for Villa, in my opinion. Coutinho scores a fantastic goal from the outside of the box. But again, VAR intervened and ruled out for offside. But after seeing the replay, it was never offside. I thought VAR decision for the Chelsea game was bad, but this was a complete joke. So, poor, poor day for VAR. That was never in a million years from any angle offside. I feel like Aston Villa were robbed to get the three points there. And that's that's the truth. So, Simeja is already facing a difficult time with his job at stake right now. But I think at this point, it should give him some more time or leverage to keep building and get some more points on the board. So, nevertheless, a good point for Villa. I'm sure they would have taken that before the game had even started. So, not a bad point to gain in match week six. Final fixture, Tottenham versus Fulham. So what a great win by Tottenham, who were very dominant in this game. Hoiberg was the one who opened the scoreline with a great shot inside the box. Definitely one of the standout performances this season. Very solid in midfield. Bissouma hasn't really had much of a 
of a foot into that team. I think because of Hoiberg's form. So credit to him, he's doing really well under Conte this season. Sessegnon, who's playing against his former team here, played a part in the second goal as he drives forward, makes a couple of attempts on goal, didn't work out, so he ends up passing it to Kane, uh, who scores from close range, so a good goal from him there. Mitrovic, who had a great game despite being in the losing team, scored a lovely goal, hitting top bins. Everything he touches right now just turns to gold, so if you're doing FPL, he's definitely someone you need to have in your team. He actually had a couple of other chances that could have changed the outcome of this whole game. So a player that's in rich vein of form, taking his form from last season onto this and looks unstoppable right now. So, yeah, definitely the main source of goals for Fulham and they need to make sure he stays fit and firing for their Premier League status. But back to the game, Richarlison thought he has scored his first goal for Spurs and celebrated in jubilant fashion for it to be ruled out. Unlucky, mate. Maybe maybe next time. But regarding Tottenham, looking very, very strong, to say the least. Um, they haven't lost a game. They've won four games, two draws, same as Man City. And I admit, they're looking very hard to beat. So the only concern, I think, if you're a Tottenham fan, would be Son's form right now. He's not scored a goal. But we all have... We all know the quality of the player. It's only a matter of time that he gets on the scoreline. So not too, nothing to be too stressful about, but a concern nevertheless. So, so yeah, so that wraps up my review of match week six. But before we conclude the show, I'd like to announce the FPL manager of the week. So someone in the name of Benedict Noweri of Benkili FC has got 76 points. So well done to Benedict. Very, very high point considering I think the average was around 30 to 40 points. So pretty much got double points there. You're currently 68th in the league right now and you're climbing up. So well done to you. I'm currently 16th, but I'm climbing up. So I'm coming for that top spot. So I've had one or two weeks where I've, you know, not got the highest of points or I've not made the right chances, but I'm coming for that top spot. So, yeah, as I said, long, long season to go. But that wraps us for today. So thank you for tuning in. If you haven't already, please don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe to the channel and show your support. Next piece of content is actually in just under 20 minutes. So I will be doing a match preview with Double D of D&D Football Factory at 11.15 UK time. Uh, so make sure to tune in very shortly and yeah we can discuss the upcoming game which is Napoli versus Liverpool so yes games coming thick and fast now so more content on your way so hopefully you've hit that notification bell so you will know when I'm uploading more episodes but as always take care of yourselves stay safe and hope to see you all soon good night